Welcome to the Spotlight Raiders Talk, home of all Las Vegas Raiders news, content, rumors, and all everything that you need to know about the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, this is our official audio podcast of the Spotlight Raiders Talk, where we be breaking down all film from players, interviews, uh, pre-show, and post-game shows of the Las Vegas Raiders. Your host, Darian and Eli will be covering all that for you on this audio podcast. So thank you for tuning in. We really do appreciate it. And we hope that you enjoy the show. Just win, baby. With another show, we back with another show. And we got my man Eli in the building. What's going on, man? <clears throat> Nothing much. Just living the dream. Ready to talk some more Raiders. I mean, we're creeping creeping slowly into the prospects of a new season and you know uh, we got some you know madden ratings and stuff and and things to talk about so it's it's very exciting you know i got the classic old snapback on the classic like you know nwa style it is raiders it is slick man i like that i like that oh man i might have to go get you know henry ruggs autograph embroidered on the side you know so <laughs> but what's going on everybody what's going on we are here with another live show um win city raider what's going on robert jamar water king ricky salvatore thank y'all for tuning in to a wonderful wonderful show yes we are live on facebook and yes we are live on youtube as well and we have a great show for y'all tonight y'all great show i know i got to you late with the the topics and everything i was on a um a business call because of the possibility that the spotlight sports network might be going on xm radio so that's a that's a big thing especially for the spotlight raiders talk as well because that might once we get the shows and everything scheduled out, Spotlight Spotlight Raiders talk is definitely going to be there, be on there too. We're going to be on there. Sick. So what's going on, Coach Plays? What's up, Coach Plays? Uh, Chris Rodriguez, what's going on? But we're here with another show. And you ready to get down to these topics, man? Yeah, I'm ready to get down. Like you said, I mean, I just got them, but they all look pretty straightforward. It's a lot of stuff that we've kind of been um, using over um, for a lot of the offseason, but we got some updates on some of the stuff, so let's rock it. Awesome, awesome. So let's get into the first topic of the night, and that's from JustBlogBaby.com. Las Vegas Raiders, it says, five challenges the team could face in the 2020 season. Now, this was a really interesting one because I did read it already, but I loved it. I loved it. What platform you stream on now? This is Clean Man. Um, this is StreamYard, bro. This is StreamYard. So um, thank you for asking that, Coach Players. No OBS for me because um, OBS be messing up and everything. But let's get straight into the um the topic. And the topic is, is that um, five challenges that you could face in 2020 with – um, the Las Vegas Raiders. Now I have to say that um, it's a just a lot of challenges. Knowing that we did have a seven, you know, seven and nine record last season, was the proof that the Las Vegas Raiders were capable of, you know, exceeding expectations to facing obstacles in their path, dealing with uh, an unforgiving schedule. The way our schedule was last year, it was ridiculous. By the way, and um, you know, we're trying we're trying to be a contention for the AFC West crown. So the first thing they say that is, and we're going to go through all of them. I'm going to get your opinion on it as well. But the first one they say is 
The challenges is the injury bug. Now, this is a staple of a challenge that could go for all 32 teams in the NFL, but for the Las Vegas Raiders, we faced it more than mainly anybody in, in the league, honestly. We have endured, you know, this upcoming season. No team is truly healthy the entire regular season. We all know that for a fact. All we could do is ensure that the depth chart of our roster could definitely withstand those injuries, you know, when they occur. God forbid if anybody gets hurt or injured or anything of that nature. For the Raiders, keeping an eye out on the health of the offensive line um, is definitely star running back Josh Jacobs, who is a top priority once again. You know, of course, he's our top priority. He's our star. And having a strong running game helps to set the tempo. It keeps defenses honest. It only needs to look at, you know, how Jacobs do, and, you know, what he did last season. So Jacobs in 13 games, we all know he ran for 1,150 yards within 13 games. Um, and when he's healthy, he's definitely one of the best running backs in the league when healthy. And that's why we were able to bring back Jalen Richard and we, you know, drafted Lynn Bowden Jr. Um, and keep a Josh Jacobs fresh. We're definitely, you know, these two will compliment up front. Injuries will happen, but it has ready adapt to them because, you know, it's been mad injuries for us. So how do you feel about that first challenge for us is the, uh, about the injury bug? I think it definitely is. Uh, it, it poses itself a little bit less of a challenge this year than it did in years prior. Uh, as we've said a couple times on this show that Mike Mayock really wanted to address the depth on the team across the board. So the injury bug doesn't hurt us as much as it did last year. I mean, let's just face it. When uh, Josh Jacobs was the offense last year and when he was not in, uh, you know, they really sputtered. And without, you know, Antonio Brown with Tyrell Williams injured, uh, they just had zero uh, uh, offensive weapons. So um, I, th I think that it's still going to pose an issue if somebody goes down. Of course, if Josh Jacobs goes down, you know, we're going to hope that Bowden Jr. can step in and play, uh, you know, some, some, uh, some real meaningful snaps and Jalen Richard steps up and somebody else maybe uh, steps up also on the practice squad. So those are the kind of guys, I think that the two main uh, position groups that I think would be most affected if the head, uh, the main people went down is running back, obviously with Josh Jacobs and also uh, linebacker. Uh, we upgraded linebacker significantly in the offseason, as we've talked about. But if any of those uh, two top guys in Littleton or um, Kwiatkowski get injured, the talent level drops significantly. So, and, and it's a lot of unproven's as well uh, on that linebacking core. So, I think those are the two position groups that, if you get some injuries, it's you're looking at uh, an uphill climb to try to fill those voids. I absolutely agree because I feel like I know that we went out in the offseason and we did a lot of free agency and draft just because of the depth position. So, hopefully, God forbid that anything happens with you know, what goes on with Josh Jacobs or Derek Carr or any of our receivers. Hopefully we have a lot, you know, during that depth chart to think those guys can step up because this next challenge that they have coming up is a very interesting one. Apologize for that. My outside is loud. So <laughs> they having like motorcycles and stuff like that. It's the summertime in Philadelphia. That's what happens. <laughs> but um, the next challenge that they have is an improved AFC West, 
Now the Raiders were made notable improvements in the offseason, but their but you know all their division rivals in the Denver Broncos had drafted Jerry Judy to complement Cortland Sutton. Court Sutton. Um, on the opposite side, you had uh, Melvin Gordon. That's definitely going to be a number one-two punch with Philip Lindsay in the backfield. Then you have the Chargers bringing back a healthy defense, highlighted by Derwin James and Joey Bosa. Um, and then you have gotten a better offensive line with them, but they replacing Philip Rivers. So Philip Rivers is with the Colts now. I don't know why the old fart is still playing football. He just need to retire. But that's another story for another time. Um, and then finally, you know, the division is still housed by the reigning champions, Kansas City Chiefs. Headlined by Patrick Mahomes that's got a 10-year contract extension to like $400 million. That was crazy. So the Chiefs returning 20 of the 22 starters from last year, uh, from last year's team. So there's obvious favorites to win it again in 2020. Um, case to the point of the Las Vegas Raiders made notice notable improvements were largely aimed going after the Chiefs, but don't be quick to write off Denver and Los Angeles. This is according to JustLawBaby.com. Um, the division could truly be a competitive race, and division victories will uh, definitely help out in the postseason. This is going to be tough, man. Um, <laughs> EJ said, chill, that's my quarterback. We don't care for Patrick Mahomes, okay? I mean, we care, but we don't care, you know, because the guy is good. We can't get mad at that. But at the end of the day, I just feel like at um, – I think we could compete in this division. Like like we said before, like I will put, you know, I don't know why they had the Broncos ranked number two. In the, um, remember they when we did that last week when they put the Broncos mm -hmm. at number two in our division? Yeah. I still disagree with that. I still think we could compete with them. And um, – yeah, and just that's another thing I want to talk about too later on in the show, Salvatore, about um Randall Cunningham coming a part of the uh the coaching the coaching staff for the Raiders. That's gonna be a bonus um topic that we'll have. But how you feel about this, Eli? How you feel about this, you know, you know, having these improvements of the AFC West? Do you think that it is a challenge for us? Absolutely. One of the reasons why I think people aren't as as bullish on the Raiders this year after what I, what I think many fans consider a fantastic offseason, filling a lot of their glaring needs and holes and their depth, uh, is because those teams really just got better. The Broncos got a lot better. The Chargers got a lot better. And the Chiefs annoyingly got better uh, in the draft. Uh, so it's going to be difficult. We've said this uh, week in and week out. It's going to be difficult with all these teams really raising the level of talent on their squads. And so the Raiders didn't really gain all that much ground if they did at all on any of the bottom, you know, the two teams that kind of share the not being Kansas city label in the AFC West. It's going to be tough. All those teams are going to be a, a tough out. So hopefully we can go ahead and have a winning uh a winning record in our division because they're all going to be difficult games. All going to be difficult games. I think like, like you said, everybody upgraded at their positions that was needed for each team. So yeah, I really agree with that. I just think it's going to be tough for us. I still think we could beat the chargers. I still think we could beat Denver. I think our kryptonite right now is the actual is the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, we did lose the Denver in the in the final game of the season, but I still like it was still a winnable game. We wasn't getting blown off the field or anything of that nature. So it's going to be a competitive division. I think it's one of the top divisions in the NFL. People don't give the AFC West any respect, but you need to now because knowing that 
the Chiefs are the champions and they are in our division. But I feel like every team could compete with any team in our division could compete with any of the teams in any other division. That's just my personal opinion. I agree with the Chiefs just being the, the class of the entire NFL. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're going to go into the next topic here. Um, I know right now they said the countdown was for the uh, number 64, but I know today they did um, do another one today. And I think it's number 63, if I'm not mistaken. I think it just um, did number 62. Because the all, yeah, they just did number 62. So we're just going to go strictly straight into um, number 62. Um, with, within 62 days until opening game of 2020, we start our countdown with the best Raiders players at every jersey number. Today, we focus on number 62. Um, with the reason of a few months away, we took a long, we took we took a look at the best players to wear the number of days left before the season opener on September 13th of 2020 against the Carolina Panthers. That game would kick off a new era in Raiders football. So we continue with number 62. Um, this is a very pretty, it, this is very interesting jersey in terms of the franchise because there's not has been really a dominant player to wear it right now. Currently, Eric, Mac, I think it's Mangusen, if I'm not respected, if I'm not, uh, these names are crazy. But um, <laughs> where's number 62 now? And he came on to the Raiders after being signed off the practice squad in Buffalo um, from the 2019 season. Like many on the roster, they'll look to earn their spot for a long, very deep offensive line. But from 1997 to 2006 NFL season, Adam Treyu was the man to wear number 62 and appeared nearly every game for the Raiders during that time. A backup along a backup along the offensive line for most of his career, he did step up in 2001 for Barrett Robbins and helped the Raiders to a divisional round. However, the player who wore number 62 best for the Raiders was nose tackle for the team across six seasons in the late 70s and the late 80s. Um, so they'll have uh, Reggie Kinlaw from 1979 to 1984. So they have um, him that wore uh, 62 as well. Um, a lot of people really don't know Reggie Kinlaw like that because we have a young crowd in some instance, but he did get drafted in the 12th round of the 1979 NFL draft out of Oklahoma, and Kinlaw was a nose tackle and some of the best defenses in team history. Um, small for his position, but Kinlaw did not let that affect him. He was incredible af um, athletic quickness and forced to be double teamed time and time again. Um, the team's website named him the anchor of a 3-4 defense who won two Super Bowls and have an unsung hero amongst the like of Ted Hendricks, Matt Millen, and Howie Long, to name a few. Now, Kinlaw will go out as, and finish his career with the Seahawks, appearing in 30 games across the final two years of his career. For the Raiders, he is an X-factor on the defensive side of the ball. So many elite Raiders teams. No doubt he earned this spot on our list for the best player to wear their respective jersey numbers in team history. What are your thoughts about who they picked? What's going on, AZ Sports fan? Yeah, I mean, Reggie Kinlaw was one of those guys, like you said, that was uh, kind of under the radar uh, 
glue that held that entire defense together. Everyone knew Ted Hendricks was an all-world linebacker. Howie Long was starting to come on as as a uh, you know a real uh, proven pass rusher. As did uh, Greg Townsend. Uh, Lyle Alzado was on that those teams. But uh, but yeah, great. Um, Kinlaw was kind of like the, the unsung hero of that defensive front seven. And he get you know, I'm glad he's getting a little credit here. Yeah, they say that he was the anchor of a 3-4 defense. They, why not put that guy there? He won two Super Bowls, and he had if he had to be double-teed time and time again, he well is well-deserving of him to get that, mind you, 62 days into opening kickoff of the NFL season. Just that alone, how do you feel about that? Like, Fingers no, 62 crossed. days. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's coming quickly, so hopefully everything kind of stays on the up and up and we can hold uh, hold any issues at bay and we can, you know, 62 days from now we can kick off the, the NFL season. We'll see. I am excited. I am very, very excited. What's going on, AZ Sports fan? Shout out to AZ Sports fan. Um, just up by showing my support. Keep doing what you do. Shout out to AZ Sports Fan. He is a part of the Fan to Fan Network. If y'all don't know much about the Fan to Fan Network, make sure you click the link in the description and make sure that's our Twitch page for Fan to Fan Network. So definitely go over there and make sure y'all subscribe to AZ Sports Fan as well. That's a good brother of mine. Um, so we're going to go into the next topic. We're going to keep it rolling. Um, the next topic that I did have is um, the top five. I think it's I think it's free agency. I think it was more about free agency. Yeah. Six free agents that could, that could compete for a starting job. Now, this is going to be interesting because a lot of people saying about um, about who's, who's going to start and who's not going to start. But six free agents that could compete for starting jobs that's not on our team yet. I don't know how this is going to work due to the fact that we, we don't have that much at cap space. Um, but I'm not going to read all of this. But I'm just going to name the the people that we have. I think we talked about this. I'll, I'll talk about a few of them already. But um, the six free agents that we have that could be possible started with the Raiders. Um, they did. The first one is Logan Ryan, uh, for former Tennessee Titan. Right, and I'm surprised that he's only 29 years old. I thought he was older than that. Um, they got Dark Priest Denard, which we talked about that as well. Um, but the deal that he's what looking for. Um, is a thirteen point million dollar deal, which I don't see that happening. Um, and Logan Ryan's looking for ten million, um, guaranteed. Yeah, so, I mean, it, like like yeah. we said last week, I think as far as the secondary is concerned, they have a lot of they have their guys uh, in camp. They have their set of 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 cornerbacks and defensive backs that they're going to look through and see if they have the talent with uh, you know with who they have on their roster right now. Um, you know, if Arnett can step in and prove that he can play some snaps as a starter and, um, you know, Isaiah Johnson can also do the same Trayvon Mullen continues to, to play at a high level. And then you have, um, you know, uh, you know, everybody else, uh, you know, Amukamara continuing to play at a professional level. You're not going to see any defensive backs being brought into this group. No. Yeah, in that group, you're not going to see many. You're not going to see many. Um, I definitely agree with that. Um, they said D tackle Damon Harrison from the Detroit Lions. Um, they do have um Nigel Bradham 
from former Philadelphia Eagle, which is a linebacker. I wouldn't mind bringing him in, um, knowing the depth of our linebacker position is pretty weak at that. So I wouldn't mind bringing in Nigel Bradham. And um, the last one they had, well, they got two more. They had uh, Everson, Everson Griffin, uh, defensive tackle from Minnesota Vikings. And they have, of course, Javion Clowney from the Seattle Seahawks. Now, as far as uh, what's going on, Tom Casey? What's up, Tom Casey? Um, I have to say, um, how do you feel about these free agents as far as those last couple ones that's like D-line or slash linebacker? I mean, honestly, I think that they they really do like Hankins as their kind of like big run stuffing defensive tackle. I think he played well last year, and there's there's no there's no reason why I think the Raiders would go for a, a Hankins, especially after they uh, they picked up Malik Collins and they and they want to see what their their new free agents uh, from Dallas can kind of do in the interior defensive line. As far as the two, uh, Nigel Bradham, that's the one out of these six that I think that potentially he might make, um, you know, uh, a sum of money that maybe might fit onto the roster. As we've said before, that the, the linebacking core really doesn't have a lot of depth and doesn't have a lot of talent from top to bottom, just the top two guys. So if you had Nigel Bradham there, that would, that would, that would really make this a very solid linebacking core from top to bottom, I think. Um, but it might be a little bit expensive to just make him the third linebacker. As far as the two defensive ends, we talked about uh, Jadavian Clowney a lot last week that if we could get him for $15 million, we could make it work with the money and, uh, you know, make it fit under the cap that he certainly would be uh, on a one-year deal. He would be a, a great asset to this team. So that would be awesome if they could make that work. I think Everson Griffin probably isn't going to look for a one-year deal. So he's an aging kind of guy that would cost about $10 million for a few years. I don't know if the Raiders are looking to, uh, to invest into something like that uh, with the younger guys like Cleveland Farrell and Max Crosby developing uh, as opposed to a one-year $15 million deal with Jadamon Clowney. So I, I don't see – the only person I could maybe see in this list is Bradham, but even that I think is a long shot. Um, at this at this point, in a lot of these players that's in the free agency on this list, I have to say is that <laughs> they're going to have to go at one-year deals. And I'm just be honest because if they still on the free agent market after all this time, even the like you know the big you know time slots for free agency where free agency was going off the board and they're not going off the board and they're not getting what they want, they're gonna have to settle for what they're getting. Like they're, you're not going to get 13 million dollars. You're not going to get 10 million dollars because a lot of teams are signing undrafted free agents. They're signing their rookies. They're not going to get that kind of money. So they're going to have to deal with a a one year, couple million guaranteed tight. They're gonna have to deal with that. Emerson Griffin, um, Logan Ryan, Darquise Denard. That's why they're still on the. You know, that's why they still on the the free agent market because right. you want those guaranteed dollars that you're not going to get. Plus, you're not going to get from the Raiders. So, I feel like Nigel Bradham is definitely a good one. Nigel Bradham is a good one for the Raiders. I think he could be a starter because mind you, you could have. Corey Little to the middle. You have Kowalski to the left. You have Bradham to the right. Yeah, I wouldn't mind Kowalski, having that linebacker core. Kowalski would be in the middle, and Littleton would be on the outside. But, yeah, I mean, those would be your top three guys for sure. Um, and then Bradham would, you know, be the one spelling out on passing downs with uh, Kowalski and uh, Littleton. 
being your your main two on your in your base defense. But yeah, Bradham is an upgrade over any other linebacker not named Nick Bukowski. Uh, he he might be pretty pretty on par with him as well anyway. So, but that that makes the that makes a really rounded out three linebackers that the Raiders can go ahead and, and rotate in and out. Right. Tom Casey said Clowney to the Patriots. No, I don't want that man to go to the Patriots. John Gruden and Mike Mayotte need to make that happen for Clowney to go to come to the Raiders. I, he needs to make that. They need to make that happen at the end of the day. Um, so, yeah, that's the six free agents that could possibly start for the Raiders if we able able to sign them. But out of all of those, I still love the Nigel Bradham uh, selection there. I would love to see him come to the Raiders to help out our linebacking core. It'll definitely give us some type <laughs> of um, – well, I, wait, I can't get the word out. But it's some type of uh, – It'll help us out on the outside. It won't. It won't put Tanner Muse in a um in a where that he has to start now or play some downs. Um, in some in some instance. So yeah, I'm. I, I like the Nigel Bradham. I'm really big yeah. on that. Well, I mean, honestly, all six of those guys probably would start for the Raiders. Um, but you know, like we said, they, they're overflowed right now with potentials at cornerback. I think they're going to see what they have first before they go anywhere else. And uh, I, I think the same thing with defensive tackle. Uh, you know, snacks, snacks really kind of does the same exact thing. And I think he's probably equally as talented as Hankins is at stopping the run. So I, I don't really know how much of an upgrade. Although he probably would start over Hankins, but I don't see them getting rid of him. But yes. Those are six guys that would probably start if the Raiders signed them, but I don't see them signing any of them. Maybe, hopefully, Clowney. Yeah, maybe, hopefully, Clowney, Clowney as well. And watch Raiders say you don't want no slow behind linebacker. I don't think Nigel Bradham's really that slow, if I'm not mistaken. But he's a good run stopper. I'm not. He. I don't think he's great in coverage, but I think he is a good run stopper. Man, throw the mother efforts in the fire. Stop being scary. <laughs> Nobody's being scary, Watts Raider. We're just being honest, man. We just being we just being honest. But um just make sure y'all keep y'all questions for later because we are going to answer all the questions as well. And um final one for justlawbaby.com is that we have Las Vegas Raiders Josh Jacobs will be a top five running back in 2020. I'm not going to get too far into this and read this article. But according to um, Get Up on ESPN, um, it was a poll conducted of more than 50 executive scouts and players um, of ESPN ranked the top 10 running backs for this upcoming season. So they put, and the funny, funny thing is, Josh Jacobs was number nine on this list, which I don't understand how. I understand you had Saquon Barkley at number one, Christian McCaffrey number two. Ezekiel Elliott, number three, Alvin Kamara, number four, Derrick Henry, five, Dalvin Cook, six, Nick Chubb, seven, Joe Mixon, eight, Josh Jacobs, nine, and Le'Veon Bell, ten. Uh, what's going on, Key in the building? What's going on? Um, out of those top ten, do we think, knowing that he's, he, I think he'll be a top five running back by 2020, in the 2020 season, but if you look, if you heard that list right now, Eli, if you heard that list right now, and Josh Jacobs is at number nine, where would you switch that list? Where would you put Josh Jacobs? Would you move him up, or you'll keep him there, or you'll put him down to ten? I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, uh, I, 
is this just like you know fifth best or the fifth most yards or what 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 are we what are we judging here is this the just like the the fifth most effective um cuz i mean i he's he's a top 10 talented running back for sure um i don't think he's in the top 5 um i'm not really sure he's there yet i think another really productive season puts him in that in that discussion um but you know, as, as I've talked about here uh, a couple times and we've discussed, I don't think he's going to get just, you know, Derrick Henry type touches next year to lead the league or be in the top five in rushing next year. I think that he'll be maybe in the top, he'll be in the top 10 probably, but they're going to spread the ball around enough that he's not going to get the numbers that's going to warrant top five uh, production. But as far as being a top five talent, yeah, I mean, I think he's better than the Mixins. I think he's more effective than those kind of guys. Uh, I do think that he deserves to be in that five, six, seven range as far as being the guy that you want on your team at the running back position. I think if I look at this list, I think, I mean, Nick Chubb had a good year last year. So I'll probably keep him there at seven. But I would take out Dalvin Cook and put Josh Jacobs at number six, in my personal opinion. Um, put put or put Nick Chubb at number six, and put at least Joe Mixon at number. Put Nick Chubb at number six. Put Jacobs at number seven. Put Joe Mixon at uh number. Keep Joe Mixon at number eight, and I'll probably put somebody else there. But I can't think right off the right off the bat. But I think Jacobs is higher than nine, in my personal opinion. Yeah, I mean, again, I think that we're we're all in agreement that he's kind of in the closer to the six to eight, like six to seven range, maybe. Um, I don't think that right now he's in the top five, but again, this year he could really just break all the tackles and score way more touchdowns. I mean, he what he didn't score that many touchdowns. I think that that's what keeps a lot of people from considering him one of the top running backs too. So hopefully he gets into the end zone a lot more this year. And when he's used effectively, uh, he produces and continues to produce, I should say. And then, you know, people will, will continue to think he's one of the top running backs in the league. Right. Cause I feel like he got robbed for offensive rookie of the year. Like, um, he he did over 50, what fifteen hundred yards in his rookie year and had seven touchdowns in thirteen games. You really can't go only in only in thirteen starts. You really can't go wrong with that. So to have him at number nine, I think is kind of crazy because I feel like that's better. I think that was better numbers than Dalvin Cook, and I think that was better numbers than Joe Mixon. So um, hey Spotlight, do you have a Discord? No, I do not have a Discord. No, I do not have a Discord. I'm thinking about getting one, but that's. Another story for another time. But at the end of the day, Josh Jacobs is a top five, top six quarterback. Quarterback. I'm sorry. I just did a video on position battles. So if y'all have not watched that video, I did upload it today about quarterback position battles. That's why my mind is all over the place with that. But let us know in the comments um, where you think you should place Josh Jacobs on this top 10 list. And I'm just going to repeat the, the repeat the players for you. One is Saquon Barkley. Two is Christian McCaffrey. Three is Ezekiel Elliott. Four is Alvin Kamara. Five is Derrick Henry. Six is Dalvin Cook. Seven, Nick Chubb. Eight, Joe Mixon. Nine, Josh Jacobs. And ten, Le'Veon Bell. So that is our top ten according to a poll conducted by ESPN and 50 other NFL personnel. That's how that, that list came along. It was a voting with them. That's how that list came along. 
So Fierce Freighter said the league simply does not like the Raiders, and that goes for the players too. Jacob, yeah. six and seven. Okay. Yeah, about six and seven for me as well. I think he should be higher than nine. That's yeah. I think I think we all can agree that he's higher than nine. Uh, I don't think he's much higher than number six at all. Uh, I still think those top five guys are those top five guys for sure. Absolutely, I I agree. I agree there. So we're gonna get on to um, the next topic here. Um, It's a few topics that I got off of um, RaidersWire.com. This one really got me. This topic really got me about Trent Brown. And um and I'm going to go to it cuz um I'm, I'm going to go to it and it says <laughs> that Bleacher Report names right tackle Trent Brown as team most overpaid player. Now I don't know what Bleacher Report is talking about as far as overplay, because this guy can this guy can ball. He's definitely one of the top right tackles in this league. Now, they said on Saturday the 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 list of fifty executives and coaches named Brown as the ninth best offensive tackle in the NFL. Then Brad Gagnon of the Bleacher Report named Trent Brown the team most overplayed overpaid player entering the upcoming season, and this is what he had to say. So what he said was Brown was somehow a pro bowler in 2019, but he missed five games and struggled as a run blocker at, at right tackle. He's a decent pass blocker and, and he's the size of 6'8", 380 pounds, but he turned one decent year with the tremendous support of the New England Patriots into a second rich, richest right tackle contract in NFL history. To be fair, uh, to be fair, uh, a Gagnon said that the Raiders don't really have a bad contract on the roster, but even Brown contract isn't even if that bad at all. But whatever the player is, the highest player in their respective positions at all pro level is expected. As long as Brown stay healthy in 2020, he will quickly, quickly remind everyone why he received a much bigger contract last season. Look to Trent Brown to dominate year two with the Raiders this offseason. Bleacher Report, I I don't get this. I don't get this article at all. Well, what, I mean, what is your I point think, about this? I think the key. I think the key is on this. Uh, the key thing, the point made was that the Raiders don't have a lot of bad contracts, uh, which is great. I mean, you know, it's almost inconceivable to to think. But we're in a pretty good uh, space when it comes to players producing at their contracts. Now, yes. I think that he's really the only guy you can point at and say this guy is making because he's the highest paid at his position. This guy is making more money than he should be at his position. I think that the only other player on the roster you can point at and look at their salary and their production based on uh, their salary and you know their comparable salaries across the league. Lamarcus Joyner would probably be the only other one I could think that you would point at and be like, this guy's overpaid because Lamarcus Joyner had an awful year last year and he's getting paid $9 million. Now that's not one of the top paid defensive backs, but it's, it's a solid, it's a solid contract for a defensive back. And he was far below average. Uh, Whereas Trent Brown, he's one of the top 10 tackles in the league in pretty much anyone's summation. And yeah, he's getting paid the most, but so Again, who else are you going to 
who else are you going to point at? Maybe Ty- Tyrell Williams, maybe. Uh, but he was hurt, so I don't. I don't see. I don't see anybody else that you can really point to, um, except for Lamarcus Joyner. I mean, you can't point at Derek Carr. He makes the same amount of Joyner, but like if you look at all the quarterbacks in the league, Derek Carr is probably a mid-tier performing quarterback. He's getting mid-tier money right now. I mean, remember a few years ago, he was the highest paid quarterback for like five days. Now he's like a middle of the pack quarterback contract for a middle of the pack producing, uh, you know, player at that position. So I think that I don't think that that this is a knock on Trent Brown as much as it's a testament to the Raiders having very good contracts across the board. You could not be on point with that. Mm -hmm. Trent Brown, I think he's worth the money. In my personal opinion, but if he can stay healthy, he could be even more worth it. I mean, you got to pay Trent, Trent Brown all the money you can. That's right, Watts Raider. I have to say it because it, it helps us with the offensive line. It keeps some continuity with the offensive line instead of flipping people out and doing stuff and, and putting new people in that don't know the office. If you keep a consistent offensive line, if, if that's what works for your quarterback, that's what works for your receivers, that works for your running backs. So I think with them saying that he's overpaid, I disagree that he's overpaid, knowing that he only played one year with us and it's still a proven it's still hey, he still has to prove that money, regardless. He still has to prove that money, but I feel like he's worth the money right now. And I think once he's healthy, he's going to be the best right tackle in football. Listen, if you if you're considered one of the top ten and you're the you're the number one, I mean, he, he's not a far stretch. Again, I, I take this far less of a a, a uh, you know bad mouthing Trent Brown as I as I do think that it's a testament to the Raiders having good contracts across the board. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so yeah, Bleacher Report always coming at us, man. They always coming at the Raider Nation. I don't know why, but they always do. Always do, and it never fails. So next topic that we have, this is going to be a good one. This is going to be a good one, especially it's about Henry Ruggs. I know everybody want to talk about Henry Ruggs, and everybody want to talk about what routes does he run, and that's the topic of, of today with Henry Ruggs. What route does Henry Ruggs runs the best? Now, I don't know if y'all watched him at Alabama, but I'm not gonna read this article because I know I saw him play at Alabama. Um, he don't get me wrong, he was the number 12 overall pick for us. Um, I feel like the best routes for him is like slants, um, bubbles. Um, I think he could go like skinny posts as well. But I want to see what they had to say um about the best routes for him. And they said the dig route is one of the best routes for him. And the dig route is more like a um, if y'all don't really know much about you know the routing tree, but a dig route is more like a is like slant, it's like a half box, like a 90 degree dig. So it's like an in route in some in some sorts. Um, but they say based on his 427 speed and a 40 yard dash. Um, a burner reputation would have guessed that the goal route would have been the answer for rugs, but they would have been wrong. Despite the high, despite his, his straight line speed, Ruggs could run a fewer goal routes and go over the past two seasons 
And wide receivers drafted him in, you know, wide receivers that was drafted in April. But he's slightly better results in his peer on dig routes. And it gives him more room to run. So I feel like the dig route is one of the is, is a good route for him. And I think the dig route is one of the favorite routes that Derek Carr likes, besides the slant or the bubble, um, the bubble uh passes or post or skinny bowls. Bubble if you're if if you got blocking. Yeah, bubble definitely if you got blocking. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I feel like the dig route, the slants, um, wide receiver screens. If you have blocking, because the yards after the catch is, is like he's fast. So if Derek Carr can get that ball out fast for Henry Ruggs and give him some room to run, he can probably take it to the house. We've seen it a lot of times at Alabama in the championships games that, that, that they played in or the college playoff that they played in. So the dig route is definitely one of the best routes for me, but I think slants and posts are really good. Yeah, I mean, what are the best what, what are the best uh, throws that Carr makes? He th- he throws those time slants and dig routes very well, and um, you know I think it's going to be a, a really good match uh, once they get to speed uh, and get comfortable with each other. I, I think that everybody kind of was talking about this, right? Oh, Rugs is so fast. Just gonna- Carr needs to open it up. Carr needs to throw it deeper. Ruggs is going to perform and live right within what John Gruden and Carr have been doing the last couple of years. You know, it, it, you know, say what you want about them expanding the playbook, but Carr is going to continue to have an intermediate uh, passing uh, length to his throws, and he's going to be precise, and he just now has faster, more dynamic, explosive players to go ahead and catch those balls and then uh, take them to the house. So, yeah, he's going to utilize those routes uh, and manufacture – uh, yards with his speed. Win City Raiders said the second coming of Jacoby Ford. Mm. I mean, I hope he's better than Jacoby Ford. I like Jacoby Ford, uh, and he definitely was a game breaker. But I think that Ruggs has a chance to be a, a really special player uh, for the Raiders. Yeah, I. Speaking of you know special players in Ruggs, it, it just moves on to our next topic, and our next topic is the speed that they gave Henry Ruggs on Madden 21. This is interesting, y'all. This is very, very interesting. They rated him a 98 speed on Madden 21. That is insane. I have not seen that from a rookie, but he's, but according to Henry Ruggs, according to Madden, Henry Ruggs is the highest rated rookie on Madden 21, he's also the fastest player in the game at the speed of 98. So that's crazy. And the, knowing that we we drafted, a, you know, speed kills at the end of the day. So this is the list. Um, you had the list of the rookie ratings. So Henry Ruggs is 76. CeeDee Lamb is 75. Jared Judy is 75. Justin just Justin Jefferson 74, Jalen Rager 73, um Brian Anu Ayuk, I don't know these names, these names, man. I'm telling you. Um 72, LaVisca Chenault, 72, uh Devin Duveray, 72, Michael Pittman, 71, T. Higgins, 71, Chase Claypool, just Claypool, um, 70, Denzel Mims, 70, and KJ Hamler, 70. Um, Brian Edwards is not even on here. I don't think Brian Edwards really had a really like top speed like that, but he's rating of 98 and Tyreek is Tyreek Hill was like 99. So that's close. 
how you feel about that? Knowing they giving Ruggs the highest ranked player on Madden 21. Well, I, yeah, I think it's like you said, I think Tyreek Hill was a 99 and uh, Ruggs was 98. I'm going to be fully transparent. I have not played Madden uh, regularly since Madden 2002. Uh, came out so it's been quite a long time since I've uh, I've, I've played uh, <laughs> video game football but that being said I'm aware of kind of what this means and and that's that's a lot of respect given and I think that uh, Henry Ruggs expected that next year I think that he is going to he's going to want to be the same or more than Tyreek Hill and hopefully they he can do something this year that makes people think that Tyler said why the heck Gronk is 95 and Waller is 85. Now I can respect that Waller is 85. 85 is a good rating for Darian Waller. You must not saw his stats last year. Understand he didn't get in the end zone as much, but his stats speaks for itself. But the 98 speed is cool, but they, they wasn't trying to put nobody in the 80 or 85 overall for a rookie wide receiver. They said Waller needs to be 90. I would take 85 for right now. I think the five, if he puts up the numbers that he do this year again, if he do it in multiple seasons, he will be 90. He will definitely be a 90. And I think Henry Ruggs could be up there in the 80s by next year as well. Mind you, we didn't see much of um, Henry Ruggs yet on the field because, you know, we don't have no training camp. Um, and honestly, when it comes to Madden, I play it on this page all the time. Um, I play it on this page all the time on Facebook. I do the Facebook gaming thing. So if y'all do want to see me on Facebook gaming, it's the same name, Spotlight Raiders Talk. And I play with the Raiders online every single time. So um, I did do a franchise mode, and I want to get into that. I did do a franchise mode of the Raiders where you were able to download the rosters from um, the free agents that you signed and the, the rookies. And... When I, they, you, nobody would want to guess. Like, Henry Ruggs was like overall 95 when I downloaded those rosters. David Arnett was like 85 at corner. So, those ratings, I don't know who did the ratings. I just downloaded it. I just downloaded it and they gave me those ratings. So, that was interesting. Waller is at 85. Yeah, he is at 85. Absolutely. I think he's uh ranked. I think that ranking is not bad, but you got to get into Madden, bro. <sighs> I don't have a, I think I have an N64 uh, in my closet somewhere. <laughs> That's about it. Oh, man. listen, I would love to have a game night with 64 any day. Give me some Mario Kart. Yeah, I take that. We got Mario Kart. I got Goldeneye. That's that's pretty much all I got. I think I have like NHL 97 if you want to dust that off. But oh, listen. <laughs> other than that. I would love to go and play a Nintendo 64 <laughs> any day, man. Forget an Xbox. Forget a PlayStation. Give me a Nintendo 64. <laughs> so that's it, y'all, for, you know, the Henry Ruggs thing. That 98 speed. A lot of people had a lot of stuff to say about it, saying that it's overrated and all that, that he's 98 speed. But he had the highest speed in the combine. Of course, you're going to get something close to a 98. Even if he would have got like a 96 or 97, they still would have been talking about it. So, yeah. All right. So on to the next subject as we go. All right. So, a 50-league decision markers rank Raiders tight end Darian Waller the fifth best tight end in the NFL. Now, I'm not really mad at this conversation because the numbers don't lie. 
But what I think, Wall, like, like me and you said numerous of times on this show, Waller has to get in the red zone. We all know that he has to get in the end zone. So it says that um, one of the boldest decisions from the Raiders made um, last season was letting the tight end Jared Cook hit the open market, which is true. But after leading the team of receptions, yards, and touchdowns, Cook signed with the New Orleans Saints and free agency. But however, it is clear that John Gruden had an incredible amount of faith in his former wide receiver converted to tight end Darian Waller, who was transitioning to tight end during the 2018 season. Now, Waller was rewarded Gruden's faith when he caught 90 passes for 1,145 yards, three touchdowns during the first full season as a starter. Now, according to Jeremy Fowler of ESPN, he polled a 50, uh, 50 NFL decision makers and asked them who was a top 10 tight end entering the 2020 season. And Waller finished at number five only with Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Zach Ertz, and Rod Gronkowski in front of him. That is not a bad lineup to be a part of. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think Gronk coming back, uh, you know, even Gronk coming back is is one of the, the top three tight ends, uh, no doubt, already. And then, you know, Kittle's proven himself as being a game-breaker at tight end. Um, Zach Ertz is just his production over the years at the Eagles has been, un, you know, almost unmatched. And then one of my least favorite people on the entire planet, Travis Kelsey, he just is such a game-breaker at the tight end position. Uh, being right behind those four, I, I can't be upset about that at all. Hold up. You said, hold up. Did Mark Andrews die? I don't know nothing about that. Um, we're, I don't know nothing about that as far as what that, that was talked about um, on that. But I feel like with Darian Waller, he's in a company with some of the best tight ends in football. And two of them is from the AFC West, which is Travis Kelsey and Darian Waller. It's just, you just can't go no better than that. And I feel as though that, Knowing that he had a great year, I think if he would have had more touchdowns in the end zone, I think that would have. Uh, I think he would have been higher than Gronk. The only reason why Gronk is up there because he's with the Buccaneers now. He followed Tom Brady, but he didn't play a whole year, so I don't know why you have Gronk in front of Waller when Gronk didn't play a whole year. So yeah, but like I, I gotta be honest with you, I really do think that uh, you know. Gronkowski's going to have his game back, and he's definitely one of the top five tight ends, even coming back. I mean, you know, everybody said, you know, for people that said, uh, you know, Marshawn couldn't have come back to the Raiders when he did. I mean, think about how much time he missed. And those first couple games, he was a total jackhammer for the Raiders. And if he didn't get injured, I think he would have had a really solid, uh, you know, thousand-yard season, and the Raiders could have made the damn playoffs. Who knows? But um, I think Gronk comes back, and he's going to be a beast again. Uh, I just think the guy is just such a freak athletically that he, you know, and he just is a creative. Uh, uh, he creates a nightmarish matchup for defenses. So does Kelsey, you know, uh, and so does Kittle. Yeah, they are matchup nightmares. I just know that, like, even though Waller did put up the numbers and Gronk didn't play, I thought you could have swapped to put Gronk at five and put Waller at four. Mark, I'm I mean, being, uh, for, 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 you know, for what it's worth, too, Mark Andrews is up there in that conversation. I think Waller is, is, is a better is a better offensive uh, weapon than Mark Andrews. But, um, 
you know, he's definitely up there in the, in the top 10 for sure. Yeah, I don't think Mark Andrews should be at four. I think he's Mark Andrews is a, is a top 10, is a top 10 tight end. But Mark Andrews is not better than anybody in that top five. That's just my person. He's great. Don't get me wrong. But Zach, I don't think he's better than Zach Ertz. I don't think he's better than Kelsey or Kittle. So even Waller, in my opinion. I mean, understand, I'm just saying. I think Zach Ertz. I think Zach Ertz at this point is like, like you know, now's uh, Jason Witten. Like he just produces so much that even though he's fallen off, he's continually going to be one of their focus points on offense because they just don't have any wide receivers. So he's going to get the targets. He's going to get the touches. People know who he is in the NFC. Uh, outside of Kittle, he's probably you know he's the best now. You know, once Gronk's going, he's probably the best tight end outside of Kittle. I think. Uh, in the NFC, but, but yeah, I mean, Ertz is just a legacy in the top 10 or in the top five. I think, I think that Waller maybe, maybe is the number four and Ertz is the number five, but I can't really, I can't really argue too much. He's a top five tight end and he's in there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But it's good to see that, you know, we're not there that the tight end position, even though we lost Jared Cook, Last year, even though we lost them last year, Waller was able to come in and step up and um be a part of the top five tight ends in the league. And Jared Cook is not even up there, and he's with the New Orleans Saints. But that's another story for another time. I'm just gonna say, um, because it is what it is when it comes to um when it comes to that. So um, let's get into the next topic, man. We going through these topics tonight. We we really are. Um, cause we definitely, I know a lot of people do got some, um, they got some questions. What's going on? Uh, all aboard Raiders. What's going on? An hour in and no hot takes from Eli. Ooh. <laughs> I, might, I might, I might get some. I might get some. Uh Oh, he's waiting for a hot take. You know, you, you stay with the hot takes. You, you all aboard. Y'all stay with the hot takes. First. I, listen, I, now I'm on, now I'm on Hunter Renfro, uh, the Hunter Renfro boss. He's going to, he, he's going to be the first wide receiver for 2000 yards in history of the NFL, man. He's the uh, school. So that, so that is that your hot take? No, of the night? Listen, I got all aboard Raiders. He, he's got me on the, uh, the Renfro, uh, the Renfro boss. I think that it's going to be, it's going to be a big year. That's, that's what I'm taking from him. All right. So we're going to go into the next topic here. Uh, and the next topic is Raiders secondary need to increase their interception totals in 2020. And I love talking about the defense. And I'm just going to be honest because that's our, I mean, our offense, I think our offense is going to be fine. Is that our defense is the, is the bigger issue, honestly. So, the Las Vegas Raiders had a leaky secondary in 2019. For that reason, it wasn't a surprising to see them upgrade their cornerback group in this past offseason. After all, the additions made the revamped cornerback unit would have a different look and should produce better results in 2020. Now, after two seasons and a half, the Raiders finally gave up on 2017's first-round pick with his Garyon Conley, which he did play... Well, anyway, in my personal opinion, um, the rest of the cornerback group wasn't better outside of the rookie Trayvon Mullen. Daryl Worley, which I wasn't a big fan of Daryl Worley anyway, uh, was inconsistent and we didn't re-sign him to the team, which I'm happy about. Isaiah Johnson uh, and, and Keshawn Nixon 
hardly saw any playing time either. Um, also, the slot corner, we had um, LaMarcus Jordan failed to make any impact to the Las Vegas Raiders, um, but expect him to try to make a leap next year. Now, the Raiders knew that they needed a better fit for the cornerback room, and they took <clears throat> action this offseason, and they first drafted Damon Arnett and Amik Robinson, and later they added Prince Amukamara after the deal fell out with Eli Apple. Um, based on how the returning corners fared last year, the team knew the corners would have a strong chance to take the field. Um, so in my, in my, in my question to you is Eli, we know we need an interception ratio. Who, how, how can I put this? How many interceptions do you think this cornerback duo or this cornerback unit will have going into the 2020 season? Uh, let me see. What? How many did we have last year? Not a lot. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and guess. Uh, Raiders stats here. Oakland Raiders stats defensive 2019. Because, all right, so they had, apparently they had eight interceptions. That is abysmal. Uh, not having double-digit interceptions is just really bad. I mean, they're going to have to have anywhere between 12 and 15 to, to even consider this a potentially better season. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's really, you know, it, it benefits them for going after aggressive uh, defensive backs in the draft. That's why they got uh, an Arnett. Arnett loves to play up. He loves to be aggressive. Uh, that's why they got a Robertson. He loves to try, you know, he's a ball hawk. He loves to try to make a big play and turn the ball over. That's why they got Littleton. Uh, you know, not talking about cornerbacks, but, you know, at linebacker guys that have a nose for the football and guys that can actually turn the ball over because that's what the Raiders have been, you know, since Mac and Irvin had the, that one year in 2016 where they were forcing all those fumbles. They really had nobody over the last couple decades that really could just like be a ball hawk and take the ball away and give Derek Carr and John Gruden a short field that they can, you know, instead of a 10 uh, play, you know, 75 yard drive, that's 10 minutes long. They can do a six, uh, you know, uh, six play, you know, five minute drive and score a touchdown and really just put the game away. So, um, I mean, I just hope they have more. Whether that's 12, whether that's 15, I don't know, but they just need to have more than they did last year. They definitely need to tackle better. That's one Watts reader. I definitely do agree with that. Um, I feel like they need, we definitely, I, the double digits is where it is. It has to be double digits. Eight interceptions last year is unacceptable. And the way we just revamped this, these corners and this secondary and these linebackers, linebackers, you should be getting some interceptions too. So, so I'm saying at least I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make a a, a, a hot take right now because I know I don't do hot takes as much, but I'm gonna do one. If the team could get at least 15 to 20 interceptions this year. I'm going to take a trip to Las Vegas. And if we do have fans in the stands, I am not going to have a shirt on the whole damn game. <laughs> I will have a Raiders symbol on my chest, big as ever. So it's got to be 15 to 20? 15 to 20. 
All right. Well, uh, just to give some perspective, I think that the last time the Raiders really had a defense that could pick the ball off was in the 80s. I'm trying to go here. In 83, where they went to the Super Bowl, in 85, where they should have went to the Super Bowl, they had 24 interceptions both of those seasons. Um, and then let's see another year in 2000. In 2000, when they, again, should have went to the Super Bowl, they had, doo -doo 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 -doo, uh, they only had 11. So, I mean, you know, the, listen, 15 interceptions, that would be pretty solid. After having eight last year, if they can double the amount of interceptions, great. Yeah, I'm with it, too. I'm I, telling you right now, if it's fans in the stands, be, and by the time I get to a Raiders game in Las Vegas, I'm telling y'all now, I will be shirtless with the big Raiders logo on my chest. I'm not playing. No, look out. Uh, Rodney has another hot take that is hotter than the, the Hunter Renfro, the Hunter Killer 1K, uh, you know. Um, type it in the chat. Yeah. What, what, what type it in the chat, about, brother. You know, 20, honestly, 20 interceptions would be insane. I'm telling you, uh, Watch Raider, 24 interceptions in 1985 and 1983. But remember, you also had Lester Hayes uh, and uh, Mike Haynes as your cornerbacks uh, back then, too. So, you know, they, they, they had some, uh, some firepower in the back end. I know it's not going to be 20 interceptions, Watch Raider, but 12 to 15, I will take that. I will definitely take that. So let's get into a heated debate. This is a very interesting debate. I think a lot of people is going to talk about this one. Who's really, who really are the top five Raiders of all time? I would like to hear everyone's like, because they have like, according to Raider Ramble, they have like different ones. They have like a, um, a B C D um type of um honorable mentions. But right now, I mean, I don't they don't really have a list. Um this is tough. I mean I, I really didn't put a I really didn't put a list together, but who would be your top five raiders? Or who could be top five Raiders of all time? I think that you can't have a top five Raiders list without naming Al Davis as being one of them. I mean, I think he counts, and I think he's one of them. Uh, so you can't have the list without that. And then once you have Al Davis out of the way, I don't think that you can discount the career Raiders, right? Um, the guys that played pretty much their, you know, more or less – you know, 90%, 95% of their long careers as Raiders. And I'm talking about the guys like uh, Howie Long, who was a career Raider and one of, you know, one of, and a Hall of Famer, and Tim Brown, who was more or less a career Raider and a Hall of Famer. So I think you have to have those two guys on there as well. Then you look at a guy like Jim Otto, who was another career Raider, a Hall of Famer, um, you know, who's in the Hall of Fame and one of the top 100 players of all time. And then, I mean, I, 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 that number five guy, who do you put on there? Do, do you put on a Gene Upshaw, one of the class acts and uh, one of the greatest offensive linemen of all time and a three-time Super Bowl winner? Or do you put on somebody like a, uh, you know, like a Willie Brown? 
Uh, Willie Brown played, uh, you know, some other games uh, for some other teams. Though he started off in Denver, so <clears throat> you know, I don't really know how you can go, you know, who who you give it to there as the number five. But I think G- Jim Otto, Al Davis, Howie Long, and Tim Brown all need to be on there. What about John Madden? I mean, John Madden was great, and he won a lot of games. But I mean, you look at how many, you know, how long he actually coached. You know, he he had a he didn't coach for that long. He coached during the, probably the heyday of the Raiders, um, you know, obviously. And those teams that Tom Flores won, you know, that probably had a little bit of John Madden's handiwork on it. But that being said, John Madden wasn't around. I mean, John Madden, I don't even think was around as long as like Howie Long was, you know. Um, he was great. But I think that you got to give it maybe to uh, Gene Upshaw over, uh, over him. You got a Tim Brown, you got Kenny Stabler, you got Charles Woodson. It's a lot of people you could put in that, f- that number five spot. But again, the only reason I would say is Kenny Stabler played great for the Raiders, but he didn't play his whole career with the Raiders, and he fell off pretty quickly and wasn't always great or, or good with the Raiders. Tim Brown was awesome from the first season, and he got injured uh, in the second season. But after that, he really came on um, and established himself as – probably the best wa- uh, Raiders wide receiver ever. Um, you know, Howie Long was synonymous with the 80s and 90s Raiders and is in the Hall of Fame and one of the most uh, iconic and identifiable Raiders. Jim Otto, same thing with like the, the early Raiders. You know, he's he's a, Al Davis is Mr. Raider. You can't have this list without him. So again, that's, it's really that fifth guy. Um, and, and I'm going for longevity and meaningful and impactfulness, you know. Charles Woodson, I love Charles Woodson, and he's one of my favorite Raiders, uh, you know, modern day Raiders. But he 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 did a lot of his, you know, some could argue that he had a better career at Green Bay than he did in Oakland. So I mean, and you know, same thing with Marcus Allen. Marcus Allen had a great beginning of his career, but then kind of fizzled out towards the end, became a chief at the end. So I don't, I, don't, I that's why I don't put him on there. Um, so. I don't know. For me, I think longevity and impactfulness kind of goes hand in hand with with selecting this. Yeah, it does go hand in hand because I think it's too many to put as top five. And where Raider Ramble is is trying to do there, it's a it's a lot that what they're trying to do. Like they try to do it as far as team success. They're trying to do it because who's the guy at the time at that time. Um, but it's a lot, man. Um. And Napoleon says, I can't say the word, but he says, forget Allen. He's a Hall of Famer as a chief. I thought he was a Hall of Famer as a Raider. I think he's uh, like he's one of those guys that has like on his like his plaque. He has him in both, uh, you know, a, a Raiders uniform and a chief uniform. So he kind of went in both. But yeah, and that's and again, that's why I, I don't put Marcus Allen on there. And he was also he was great for a short amount of time looking back marcus allen was really great for about five or six years seven years and then he was good uh he certainly was not great uh you know when he started the tail off and then the bo jackson uh, era kind of came to uh, fruition yeah um raiders defense will dominate by midseason what's going on jeff oh jim plunkett was another one jack tatum is a legend Jim, I mean, everyone loved, everyone loved Jim Plunkett because he won those two Super Bowls. If you look back, Jim Plunkett wasn't really that good. 
I mean, they had great teams. The, those, those, you know, that 83 team was, was really fantastic. I think the 85 team, if Jim Plunkett had have stayed healthy, would have been another Super Bowl team that, that Plunkett would have paid, played for. But you got to remember, Jim Plunkett also had Marcus Allen, who at that point was probably the best weapon in the uh, best offensive weapon in the league. You, you know, you had a great defenses that uh, could sack the quarterback and pick the ball off. So, Jim Plunkett had great teams around him. He was not a great quarterback. He was a gutsy quarterback, did what he needed to to win. But, you know, he certainly didn't have the talent or, you know, as a as a stabler did. Uh, you know, and I would even consider Gannon a better quarterback than Jim Plunkett. He just didn't win any Super Bowls with the Raiders. Hey, so um, they said Casper as well. Um, Casper could be on that top five. Um, yeah. So in my personal opinion, um, it's, it's so many people, man. What's going on? Those of, uh, Dion 2.0. What's going on? My brother, what's up with you? Shout out to the, you know, FTFN network team coming in and showing, uh, showing love. Um, what's up, Goku? Um, Goku. Hey, what's up, bro? Al Davis benched him. Al Davis benched too. They, and Dre Moore said Jim Plunkett is like a Trent Dilfer. Yeah. Yeah, more, more or less, he really Absolutely. is a glorified Trent Dilfer, uh, Jim Plunkett. That's not that's a pretty good uh, it's a pretty good analogy. But yeah, I mean, you know, Marcus Allen got got done dirty by Al Davis. Uh, I really do believe that, uh, and I do also believe that if Marcus Allen was on that 1993 Raiders team, that team would have been in the Super Bowl as well because we couldn't run the ball for shit. And Marcus Allen actually had a pretty good, uh, pretty good solid season for the Chiefs that year. Sad to say, but that you know the the 93 94 team. Probably would have been a little bit better had Marcus Allen been on that those teams. True, true, absolutely. And we're down to the final, um, no, not the final, but we ne- on to the next topic, which is um, defensive tackle Maurice Hurst, um, saying that the Raiders he could be an X factor for the Raiders going into twenty twenty. Um, I want to read into the info on this. And they're saying, though, that the Las Vegas Raiders selected Maurice Hurst in the fifth round of the 2018 draft, heading into the 2020 season. And the defensive tackle could be an X factor, although the, the Raiders' the 2018 draft class was brought in less than stellar returns. Hurst has shown steady progress in his first two seasons in the NFL. His total pressures went from 11 two seasons ago to 38 in 2019, even though his sack totals remain the same at four. He also is outplayed by fellow, he also outplayed fellow draftee PJ Hall and can't even make the case that he's the organization's best best pick in that draft. There's no reason to think Hurst can play better this upcoming season, especially for the Raiders offseason. Addition of the defensive line, um, new defensive line coach Ron Millinery should be able to max out Maurice Hurst potential. Um, the Raiders have placed Hurst in a position to succeed. Um, according to Ben Lizzie of uh, Pro Football Focus, um, and ranked all 32 um, NFL teams ahead of the 2020 season in his article, he said that um, every organization's strengths, weaknesses, and X factors, and he felt that Maurice Hurst would be an X factor and should carry um, what he did. Um, in 2019 was a strong finish and it should carry over into the 2020 season. But furthermore, his performance is over the second half of the season was one of the best amongst the among players at that position. So according to Pro Football Focus, they're saying that 
his momentum of what he did in the end of the year is going to, you know, make sure he's an X factor uh, for that defensive line going into this season. How do you feel about Maurice Hurst and him probably being an X factor? I agree. Uh, I think that Maurice Hurst is a guy that everyone kind of talks up. I, I think that he's a little overrated by some people that are Raiders fans. I think that some people kind of think that he is just really this dominant force. Um, but I think that he can be effective, and I think he he can produce a little bit more than he has the last couple of years. Now he's not a, he's not Aaron Donald. Uh, he's not he's not a world beater at the defensive tackle position. But he is an effective pass rusher from that position. And I think he got, he really did get like totally gypped from a couple sacks over the last couple of years from, from Phantom roughing the passer penalties and some other penalties that, that happened on the defensive side that, that negated those plays that he's made. Cause he's definitely been, been in the backfield and he has the potential to be a disruptor back there. So I think that with Malik Collins coming in, also being able, he's kind of a similar type player, right? Like a, a bit of a smaller size defensive tackle, but a disruptor and, and a penetrator from that uh, that three technique spot. I think those two guys rotating in and out are going to be able to spell each other and really kind of just pin their ears back during passing downs and, and cause some havoc uh, on the defensive line. And I think that if you get guys like Crosby that continue to develop and be better, uh, you know, all around defensive lineman and Cleveland Farrell doing the same thing. That's going to open it up for these guys. And, and yes, I, I could see Maurice Hurst being that guy that all of a sudden, man, he's got five or six sacks in crucial you know parts of the game and really affecting the season for the Raiders. I think Maurice Hurst could definitely uh, be an X factor. Um, but like, like Watts Raiders said, I agree that we all do need our, um, our, we need all of our defensive linemen. And I think now that we're getting depth at the line, at that D line position, and Ron Millinery coming in and, and trying to revamp this defensive line, it's going to help. It's going to help. And at the end of the day, I just feel like um, Maurice Hurst and Malik Collins in, in that interior is going to be a force to be reckoned with. Um, I would like to get Javion Clowney, but right now I'm looking for what we have on the roster for. Um, what we have on the roster right now, uh, we can look into the future for Javion Clowney. Cool, but at the end of the day, I think Maurice Hurst would definitely be um, a good X factor. He it definitely improved and outplayed PJ Hall, and my, possibly PJ Hall might not even be on the team this year. So we just don't know. Yeah, I agree. I think PJ Hall is kind of the odd man out here. Uh, I think everyone was rooting for him as like in a small school guy, uh, but I think that he's just going to end up being you know one of those Reggie type second round picks that just doesn't pan out um you know and it's a bum out because again i think we were all really really gunning for him uh and rooting for him i should say but uh maurice hurst has has gotten to the quarterback he has produced um at, at a clip that a you know rotational defensive lineman does and i think that he continues to do that and if he can get five or six sacks this year i think that's a win i think that that makes the, the line better Yeah, so they said build within build within with Clowney is about done. Um, I mean, the guy's only twenty seven years old. I mean, right. he, he was a little bit injured last year. Don't look at his sack totals. His other numbers were fine. I mean, I think that if you pay this guy fifteen million dollars, he gets seven sacks and really makes your defensive line better. Is that overpaying? Maybe, but I mean, 
you know, he's going to, he's going to put pressure on the quarterback for sure. And he's good. He's a good run stopper when he's healthy. Just, that's the only thing that's really holding him back from getting the money that he wants because he's not as healthy. He stays hurt. But I mean, the name alone, like we said last week, the name alone, it rings bells and it draws double teams. Period. Agreed. <laughs> so, um, final topic of tonight is the draft rebuild must be perfect if the Raiders plan on catching up to the Kansas City Chiefs. <clears throat> so far, the Las Vegas Raiders have done an efficient job at drafting, and they'll have to continue to do so if they plan on catching up to the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, the silver and black biggest adversity or was biggest kryptonite was the Kansas City Chiefs, and they are all on the NFL's current, they all getting, well, the Chiefs is all getting gunned for because they're the Super Bowl champions, and they are the current gold standard. But earlier this week, uh, they made sure they locked up their franchise quarterback. Well, last week, uh, Patrick Mahomes, we all talked about that. Um, but do we feel like, do you feel like we closed the gap on the Kansas City Chiefs at some point? Like, do we feel like we closed the gap of the way we drafted this year or the way that we got in free agency? Did we close that gap to make it even more competitive when we play them now? I mean, I don't think you can say anything about this draft season until the, the year's over, right? You know, when you see these guys <clears throat> start, start getting some snaps and developing. I mean, look at, uh, you know, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, you know, it, you're going to need the whole season to really answer that question because, you know, you could look at by week six and say, oh, man, Arnett is totally uh, bust. He hasn't played one snap. But like Trayvon Mullen comes in on the second half of the season and, and is a starter by week 14, you know, how do you judge that? I mean, yes, I think that they drafted for need uh, or I, I should say they filled some some holes with their draft. If they hit on those, they should be a much better team than they were last year. So in essence, I guess, yes, they, they're, they're, you know, shortening the gap of, of talent because they have more talent on their team. This is the way that you got to build from scratch though. And this is the, what John Gruden and, and Mayock need to do three, four years in a row. You need to stack draft classes and continually just bring in talent from the draft that it's cheap talent. It's, it's um, you know, you're not spending a lot of money and that's how you build a team that in, you know, three, four years can have a window of five years to win a Super Bowl. And that's at this point, I think that's John Gruden's plan for his 10 year plan is in two years, he's got a window of five years to win championships with championship caliber teams that can base off against anybody, including the chiefs. And if you continue to draft, they hit on this draft, they hit on next year's draft. You might be set up to do that. All right, so All Aboard Raiders is back. He said, I had to step out for a sec. The hot take was Eric Harris is starting the second half of the season if you missed it. Mm. I mean, I, I think that that's – I don't know what to think about that. I could see it happening, and I think that if if it does, that means that the Demarius Randall – uh, experiment had failed, which is disappointing, or that Jonathan Abram uh, isn't really um, playing up the snuff. So that kind of bodes, 
I see that happening, boating worse for one of those two players and less being like Eric Harris is balling out and is actually really a good safety. But if that's the case and he has seven interceptions and makes the Pro Bowl, then hell yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm with it. I mean, he did have a great year last year um, for that. But getting <clears> back <throat> to the topic, um, I think we are not – I mean, I think we are catching up to the Chiefs, but not just here. I think if we when we get the next two to three years, I think we could catch up with the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, right now we're very young, and mind you, like I said earlier in the segment, that they're bringing back twenty of the twenty-two starters from last year. So they only lost two pe- lost two starters out of that that whole out of out of their whole eleven on eleven. So they only lost two. Started, I think one on offense and one on defense, or probably two on defense because you just don't know what's going to happen with Chris Ford because Chris Ford is holding out because he's not getting paid, knowing that they just paid Patrick Mahomes all this money. Um, it's not a negative, it just won't be able to take Harris off the field. That's the hot part. Mm. I don't see how Jonathan Abram won't be a solid football player. We're not saying he's going to be a solid football player, we just got to see if he stays healthy. That's another thing as well. And I feel like we did, we are building to try to catch up to the Chiefs. I don't think we caught up to the Chiefs just yet, but I feel like that we're working towards that to catch up with the Chiefs. I think if this draft class hits similar to what last year's did and all these guys perform at their position the way, as well as last year's did, I think that, man, we have a really good team going into 2021. And then we have a regular draft. Sorry, not multiple first rounders, but we have a regular draft where, you know, you can uh, you can continue to just add to that. And again, that's when we're locked and we're ready to go. And we have our team to compete in that five year window for John Gruden to win his Super Bowl. That is correct. That is that's. You said you said enough about that, man, because I just want I just want to compete. I bet I, I don't want to just us to be bowing down to everybody else in this division. I want to compete. Win, lose, or draw. I want to see some. I want to see somebody compete. Like we're not getting blown out or anything of that nature. And that's what I want to see with the Kansas City um, against the Kansas City Chiefs. So that is all the topics for tonight, guys. If y'all do have any questions in the chat, please let us know with the questions in the chat. Um, because we 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 want to hear y'all questions. We want to hear y'all questions so we can answer them as thoroughly as we can. I know y'all was asking questions early, but we want to answer the questions now because we want to get through all of our topics for tonight's show. So if you do have any topics, please let me know. I am going to go get a drink of water. I'll be right back. Salvatore uh, writes, by the way, the Chiefs need to change the uh, the team name to the Chefs. And as funny as that is. You're looking at what's going on across the, uh, you know, the dynamic of sports, and uh, really looking at the climate of of, of where we're at in uh, in the world. I mean, you got a lot of team names that are going to be looked at, not just the Redskins who officially have retired that name. It's going to be the Washington. I, I don't know if they've decided exactly what it's going to be, but it's going to be the Washington something else other than the Redskins. And it's about damn time, if you ask me. I think that people have been kind of talking about this for the last 25 years, if not longer, 
how can you have this name as a, a professional sports franchise? So now they're going to be looking at teams across all of the professional sports, the Cleveland uh, Indians and uh, even the Chiefs, uh, I would imagine, would be a team, um, you know, and in the Atlanta Braves. So we'll see how, you know, we'll see if they're going to do anything like that. But, you know, uh, Washington Warriors, I think, is, is a team name that they were talking about. I'm not really sure, but uh, I'm hoping you know, for their fan base, at least that they keep the colors for a little bit so that they can still wear the jerseys that they purchased of their favorite players over the last decades. Um, you know, and they don't need to just go ahead and just buy purple and gold or whatever the hell their new color scheme is going to be. Cause that would be a real, that'd be a real dick move. So they're changing the color scheme as well for the Washington. No, 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 no. I, I I'm saying I'm, I'm just hoping that they don't, which I don't think they will. I think that they'll keep it the same. All right, so the question Napoleon asked was, could could it be what could be get for Joiner? Or as far as as far as like um as far as trading him is what you're saying, Napoleon? Yeah, I think that that's what he's saying. I don't think that he would get all that much for Lamarcus Joiner. He didn't have a great year last year. Echoes that the Raiders have zero. Um, you know, real like leverage when it comes to trying to trade him. They know that they would just be trading him for for cap space. So I don't think that he gets you very much at all. And to be perfectly honest, I mean, the Raiders do have some players to fill in uh, at the nickel position if Joyner doesn't perform. But there's also a chance that he comes back and he has a bounce back season and performs at a high level. So I think that with all the young cornerbacks and unproven cornerbacks, the Raiders would rather keep Joyner uh, in that mix uh, in the defensive backfield than trade him because you're not going to get much. You'll probably get like a six-round draft pick for him. Um, if that, you might not even get that. So uh, who knows? I think we shouldn't trade him either. Not right now. Um, knowing that um, I'll take the seven, the seven-in cat relief. Um, I don't think I, I think but I don't think anybody would even would even offer that, you know. Yeah, I don't think they'll offer that in my in my personal opinion. I don't think they'll offer that, and I just feel like with Lamarcus Joyner, I think he just need time. Like Paul Gutner got to put him in the right position for him to succeed on his defense in the slot corner. Is not the way he's going to succeed. If you go look at where he played, what I said this numerous times on this podcast. If you look at Lamarcus Joyner where he played safety for the Rams, that's where he was at his best. I'm just saying, it's, if you have to rotate some players to put them in their best position, that's what you have to do. But slot corner is not his position, and he was very uncomfortable all year. That's why he was getting beat. Okay, yeah, so agree. Uh, and you know, it's going to be they're going to they're going to have their hands full. Um, you know, I'm looking at this Raiders Wire article, which is pretty interesting. Says that uh, only four players uh, reached. Uh, let's call it five. Five players reached um, uh, twelve hundred yards as a wide receiver last year, and the Raiders are playing all of them. Uh, Michael Thomas had seventeen hundred yards. Julio Jones had fourteen hundred yards. Chris Godwin over thirteen hundred yards, and Travis Kelsey and Devontae Parker, and then Keenan Allen also had about twelve thousand yards. He's missed it by one. So I mean, they're 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 going to need these uh, cornerbacks uh, to step up for sure. Absolutely, 
Absolutely. So me personally, I feel like um that's gonna be a lot. Devontae Parker's okay for Miami. He's okay, but those names you played that you named is gonna to be tough that we're that we're gonna be defending. But um I think we could definitely I think we're up for the challenge. I definitely think we're up for the challenge. Um Salvatore had a question that said, Who's the better, who's the best trade bait player? Gabe Jack, he said Gabe, he thinks, in agree. I mean, I think he's probably one of the only ones uh, that you would think about maybe trading. But again, I think that we've, we've all kind of talked about how he really adds as a, you know, as a top tier guard. He adds to this offensive line being one of the best in the league. So, you know, a healthy Gabe Jackson is a, is an asset to the Raiders. And I don't think you just trade him just to get more money. What the hell? I mean, they would be trading him to get, I guess, to get Clowney. Uh, that's how you, that's why you would trade Gabe Jackson, I guess. Um, I mean, you know, that's really all you would be doing, I guess, at this point. We, we don't need the money for anybody right now. If they're trying to sign Clowney, I think that they would probably try to do a, a few little moves to kind of get some more money uh, in the cap. Um, I will go with that as well. I will go with the 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 Gabe Jackson, Javion Clowney thing. If we're going to go for Javion Clowney, the best time, the best way to do it is trading Gabe Jackson. I don't want to trade Gabe Jackson. I, I want to keep our team together. I want to keep the offensive line together. But if if it's going to help us on the defensive side as well, then yes, trade Gabe Jackson, and we we and we end up drafting um. John Tom, John Simpson from Clemson. So the big guy um, can step in, and they say that he's almost like the same size as Gabe Jackson. Then why not? But in my personal opinion, I think we shouldn't trade Gabe Jackson. Understand he's making a lot of money. Um, he did miss a few games, which is understandable. But at the same time, I still feel like keeping Gabe Jackson would be the best thing for me. But yeah, I don't Simpson, think we have Simpson a best. Simpson hasn't played one snap as you know, wearing a black or, or white Jersey. So, I mean, you know, who knows how he actually performs as a pro. We have no idea, you know, next year I think would be more of a, Oh, Simpson can step in and, and actually be a starting guard for the Raiders. Yeah. Or, I mean, I only reason why I said Simpson because there's really anybody else who else, like if we do trade Gabe Jackson, who will be able to step into that role? Denzel, I mean, Denzel Good would probably slide in and 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 start at the guard position, but you know that's not optimal because I mean that really that really affects your depth because he's kind of your like you know plug and play guy across the line that adds depth uh, when there is injuries because we you know offensive lines getting it does get injured sometimes. Yeah, so I wouldn't mind Denzel Good either. Um, so let me see here. He said, attention, this is the best team we had since 2002. According to Jeff Garrison, that's what he said to the Raiders. This is the best team that we had since 2002. Do you agree with that? I said the same thing about the 2017 team, and guess what? Uh, that Not much happened there. I think at the end of the day, uh, this is a better team on paper than it was last year. So all you know, everything points to them having a better season. It doesn't always work that way. I thought that the 2017 Raiders were improved uh, 
from the 2016 team that that could have went to the Super Bowl had Carr not, not gotten uh, not gotten injured, but that obviously didn't happen. So, you know, I, we just got to kind of buckle down and see it. I, I I like what the team has done this offseason. They're a better team. I'm excited, but I can't get too excited anymore about things because it never happens the way I want it to. Okay. Um, all right. So Carlos says, how about if we still available and we're on the brink of the playoffs, then pull the trigger and get Clowney for the playoffs fresh? Well, I mean, you wouldn't be able to trade him. There's a trade deadline, and that's like, you know, towards the beginning of the season. You know, once that's over, you can't make any moves. If Clowney's still not signed by then, um, yeah, I guess you could make a roster move where you cut somebody. I mean, I don't think that you can do anything really uh, outside of the trade deadline. You're kind of stuck. So you wouldn't be able to make a – it's not like the the NHL where you kind of – have the trade deadline towards the end of the season and you make your trade and that's when you make your playoff push trade deadlines kind of towards uh, a little front loaded for the NFL. Right. Right. Um, so our board Raider says Joyner <laughs> says Joyner and Demarius should split reps and we should start a meek after the bye week. Oh, I hope a meek Robertson is a, is a NFL quality cornerback. If, if he is, then that's great. And we're in a really good position because we have a lot of guys that can play snaps in the NFL. But we don't know yet. I mean, he's also a, a fourth-round draft pick. You know, it's not like he's uh, Arnett, who we're hoping can step in and be at starter at, at cornerback at some point as our first-round draft pick, but he's not even a given, let alone a fourth-round draft pick. You know, Isaiah Johnson was this fourth-round draft pick that everybody was excited about, or I should say John Gruden was excited about last year. You know, we, we didn't really get a chance because he was injured, but, you know, not, not everybody kind of gets off at the same page. There could be some injuries. There could be some confusion in the beginning. I Again, I think Robertson's going to be a fine player for the Raiders. I just don't see him making an impact year one. Yeah, I think his rookie season, he's gonna um he's gonna struggle a little bit, but I do love the swagger and his confidence that he does bring when he plays uh when he's on that field. So I think um I think we that's what we miss it on the defensive side. We miss his swagger, we miss the confidence. Hopefully we'll have that this year with our defense. Um Jeff Garrison said this Raiders team is talented at every position in depth behind them. We will be blowing out opponents by midseason. I'm realistic. Listen, I'm a Raiders fan, but I I mean, I love your confidence and everything, but I am very realistic here. Well, I mean, to to be fair, the beginning of the season is the difficult time. So if we're not blowing people out in the beginning of the season and we're doing it in the mid part of the season, that makes sense because all the best teams are, are kind of front loaded in that schedule. But that being said, I hope so. I mean, it really does seem like everything should be there, right? If, if, if we hit on these wide receiver draft picks and these offensive draft picks and Carr continues to be Derek Carr, love him or hate him, he stays the same. Josh Jacobs stays the same. The offensive line stays healthy. The defensive free agents are, are as good as advertised and the defensive draft picks can at least hold their own. This is a playoff team, no doubt. And I, and I agree. You know, it, not everything goes your way as a fan. <laughs> Uh, you know, or as a football team, though. So something's going to happen that we're not expecting next year. Let's just hope that, you know, 
the football gods kind of shine on us in some way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, he said, I like what hardcore Redder said about the extra cast space we save by not sounding clowny. Isn't going to sack my homes for uh, this year for us. But people need to understand. People need to understand. Who is really sacking Patrick Mahomes on any defense? Let's just be honest. There, it's not. It's not just us. What any, what any any other NFL team is sacking Patrick Mahomes besides probably the San Francisco 49ers in the Super Bowl, which they blew the lead to win that Super Bowl. But that's another story for another time. But let's just just be clear. Ain't no really no pass rushers that's really sacking Patrick Mahomes, and. I think for us to get clowny, it helps us out for the division games. We going up against Drew Lott. We going up against Tyrod Taylor. I mean, we going up against Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I de- I definitely think he can host. I mean, um, I think he really think he can help us defensively in pass rush. I understand that he's injury prone, but at the end of the day, if he gets a small contract with us for this year, I'm satisfied with that. Yeah, one year contract. Again, we we said this last week, but it's like he's if he's on the team, he's the best defensive end we have. Uh, sorry, he's a better right now. Healthy, he's better than Max Crosby. Didn't have as many sacks last year as Max Crosby, but he is a better defensive end than Max Crosby right now uh, in 2020. So he becomes your best defensive lineman. And why not add somebody if you can? And again, the thing that makes Clowney different than uh, Everson Griffin or some of these other guys is that he's probably only looking for a one-year deal. So you just shove some things around, you know, uh, you know, pick up the couch, uh, shake all your cushions, get your money to get one year of Jadavion Clowney, and he's going to help put your team over the top to being a, 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 a real playoff team. And, and pretty much everybody across the board will see that as maybe something that, that gets you that, that uh, maybe they're getting seven or eight wins to do this team's going to get nine or 10 wins and be on the playoffs next year. All right. So what was said was Napoleon. What is, what is the co-host name? His name is Eli. <laughs> His name is Eli. Uh, Watch Raider said he just be busy because he said that he should do have a co-host on his show as well. We got to come on Watch Raider's uh, channel, man. Watch Raider, whenever you want us to come on your channel, just let us know, brother. Um, Jeff Garrison says they don't have the black skins, the white skins, the brown skins, the yellow skins, etc. Why the heck would they have the red skins? It's racist and you should have never happened in the first place. Um... With this whole name change thing, it's getting out of proportion now. Just change the name, just deal with it, and get it over with. That's just where I'm at with it. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I, I don't think, that, you know, that it, it, it should have been changed years ago. You know, it should have never been a name, let's be honest with you. But, you know, back when the NFL started and these teams, you know, uh, surprisingly things were probably it, it was way more racist to be perfectly uh, frank but um but yeah i mean you know it, it, we're finally moving on it's 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 actually happening good riddance to the redskins uh and i know you know darion and i live in a town who will still hate the, the washington dc team but a lot of people are are at least applauding them at this point and, and finally making this better late than never i guess 
Right. I'm kind of happy that they're get just get done and over with. I don't know what the holdup is. I think they're trying to find a name or whatever. Just get it done and over with. Robert, uh, Watch Raider said we got to pop wide receivers and running backs. That's how you beat KC. Yes. And that's why they got That's why they got guys like Robertson and they got guys like Arnett in the draft. And they drafted guys like Abram because the Raiders in the back end want to be physical. You know, it's not the whole, you know, 15-yard flags because these guys are, are irresponsible and they're not Jack Tatum and they're not Atkinson. But these guys are – Guys that are going to get in your face, and when you catch the ball, you're going to know that they're the ones that tackled you because they can bring the wood, and they can they can really lay the lay the heat. So that's I agree. You know, you don't match them for speed. You take that speed and you make them afraid to come across the middle. You make you make it difficult for them to get out of their breaks. You make it difficult for them to utilize that speed by just being tougher. And I think that that's part of what the Raiders are trying to do on the defensive side of the ball. Absolutely. I'm with that. I am with that. They got to be aggressive. If they, if we want to win and beat KC, we got to be aggressive with their running backs. We got to be aggressive with, especially, listen, I don't care if you put a big hit on Travis Kelsey, he's going to feel it. I don't care. Put a big hit on him. Put something on him. Make it pop. I, I want to see, I want to see some tenacity. That's what I really want to see. Um, Salvatore says offense should be improved. Defense needs to show up. That would determine our playoff hopes. I think it's all three phases that determines our playoff hopes. I think it's special teams as well. We need – listen, if we can get turnovers on special teams, turnovers on defense, and then our offense is all cylinders, there's no way we, there's no way we, we shouldn't make the playoffs. It just can't be just offense and defense. Special teams is the third phase of a, of a game that a, people, a lot of people forget about. So, yeah, I think – yeah, Offense, defense, yes, but add special teams into that. Uh, I'm reading here in the comments, uh, Napoleon Kaufman, the, the Reverend Napoleon Kaufman says, you can't be physical anymore, too, too many flags for everything. <clears throat> While that might be the case for unnecessary roughness and uh, irresponsible um, and, you know, physical plays, I'm not talking about, you know, flagrant elbows or, you know, uh, you know, clotheslines from the, you know, the days of the seventies and stuff like that. I'm talking about playing physically within your five yards and being there and just being a physical presence. Um, you know, when that's difficult to play against, you can play within the rules. You can play within all of the, uh, you know, um, you know, confines of what a defensive player can do. And if you're just more physical and you're more intense and you're just in their face, you're, they're going to be frustrated. It's going to put them off their game. So that's what I mean by being physical. I don't mean laying cheap shots. I don't even mean the Jonathan Abram running across the field and trying to jar the ball loose with hits. I, I mean, just every single thing that you do, you're more physical than the other person, whether it's a tackle, whether it's within that five yards, you're jamming that wide receiver and you're knocking him on his ass. Those are the kind of things that they're going to have to do. And those are the kind of players that the Raiders are getting. These guys like Robertson, these guys like Arnett, they want to do that. They want to get up in your face when, uh, you know, at the line of scrimmage, they want to press, they want to, they want to ha have you feel them being physical uh, the entire way through your, uh, through your, you know, route. You got to be disciplined. 
but man, they, they just love to be feisty. They love to be aggressive and you know, you're going to get some flags, but I think these guys, they're going to be able to do it. They're going to be able to be physical within the confines and, and affect, affect these games against Kansas city. Yeah, it's definitely with that. Def, I'm definitely with that at the end of the day. Um, let's see what else they're saying in here. They're saying that Gruden needs to push the ball down the team's throats, especially when we have the lead, because his back, because he backs off when he thinks he got him one. That is so true. That is so true, and and I I'm gonna keep that up there because that is so darn true. He gets so like we we talk about this almost every week. How conservative he does get in the second half when we got the lead. I'm just being honest. When we got, I'm not saying just through the game when we got the lead. Yeah, run it down their throats and chew the damn clock. Understand? You want to throw it sometimes, run, 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 then play action. Fine, I don't have no problem with that. But don't come out on first and second down throwing the football. Come on, we got the lead. We got to start. We got to wear these defenses out. I mean, even when now we have, we have like we have so many running backs on the roster now, so we got to I mean, give Josh Jacobs some rest. Yeah, I mean, I love me some John Gruden, and I love the way that he, uh, you know, he can call an offensive game. But this is right on. I mean, he is just too conservative at times. I mean, it, it's 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 right where I like it, and then all of a sudden, I'm just like, man, that, you really could have you could have. Put it down. Second half, he needs to be a little bit more aggressive. I'll totally be the first to say that. Um, <clears throat> that doesn't mean he needs to just chuck the ball down the field. He just needs to be more aggressive with his play calling. And instead of just trying to milk two minutes off the clock and punt and back them up, he needs to be able to be like, let's get another touchdown. Let's go and put it put up put us up by 17 points instead of 10 points, you know, or 14 points instead of seven, et cetera, et cetera. Now, Watch Raider said that what did he say? We rarely had a lead, but it's some games that we did have a lead, and we just let them come back in the game because they we want to play conservative on offense. It's been games where we did have leads, even if it was a re, a, a, a lead that was rarely. The fact that we had the lead, we still have to keep the football away from the opponent. Yeah, at the end well, of the day. And and unfortunately, it doesn't help that much when our defense just was a sieve in the passing game. So we would take eight minutes off the clock, grinding down their team and punching the ball through the end zone, uh, or or you know kicking a field goal. And then all of a sudden, it takes them two minutes to get to just you know dice our defense up and just run you know six or seven you know five or six plays, and they're you know they're in the end zone. So that that certainly didn't help at all either. And that's just another tribute to that. John Gruden needs to keep the pedal in the metal and Hey, you want to have 10 minute drives? That's great. But let's go ahead and try to score when we have the opportunity to score. Um, you know, let's not just like run the ball and just milk the clock. Uh, we had a couple games at the end of the season where that really just came back to hurt us and we weren't in the playoffs because of that. Says question. Napoleon says question. Better OC, Musgrave or Hugh Jackson? I don't really know if Hugh Jackson was great at that many things. Um, you know, so I guess I'll have to give it Musgrave. I, I, I like listen. I like Hugh Jackson as a guy. He's an excitable guy. He's a, he's a, you know he's a kind of a kind of a dude's dude type coach. 
I didn't mind him at all. I think that the Raiders, if, you know, if the whole Carson, uh, you know, Palmer thing didn't have to happen, he probably would have been with the Raiders a couple years as a, as a solid coach, I guess. Stunk with the Browns, whatever. I guess Musgrave, I'll have to give it to him. I'll have to give it to Bill Musgrave because I think he brought a lot out of, out of Derek Carr that year. And I feel like when it comes to Derek Carr, he had one of the best years of his career. Honestly, if he was with Bill Musgrave, Hugh Jackson was a good offensive coordinator. He was good. But I think Bill Musgrave made Derek Carr a better quarterback in this league. And I think that was the honestly out of all the offensive coordinators that he had. I think Bill Musgrave was the best offensive coordinator that Derek Carr had. Hands down. Hands down, but I, I'm I'm going with Bill Musgrave on this one too. I like Hugh Jackson. I love what Hugh Jackson did for us, but I like Bill Musgrave better. Man. I like the Musgrave better. We had a chance to go to the Super Bowl, even if you know, if Carr didn't ever break his leg at the time. All right, so good back into these. Uh, all right, so we need the we need our youth and our free agents to step it up. They're willing. I'm telling you, this season will be special. I mean, I'm 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 optimistic. I'm optimistic as well. Um, is if it's special, then it's special. You know, I'm just worried about those first six, you know, first six games of the NFL season. That's going to be our biggest challenge. That's going to be our biggest challenge. And Salvatore says, "Which? What was your first Raiders jersey? Mine was Kenny King wearing it at the age age six years." Playing in the street, nerd football. <laughs> nerd football. I used to love nerd footballs, man. And watch his son, Kitty King Jr. on YouTube now. Wow. Um I love I love reading this as nerd as 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 nerd football. Uh I don't know what that is, but just that makes me chuckle for some reason. Just going out playing street nerd football. Uh, a bunch of street nerds hanging out. But um, yeah, nerd football, that was that was the highlight of my life playing Nerf football in the street where like you slip and you fall and you like had just like huge rug burn like you know like street burns down your forearms coming back me like eh. um well, and not that I cried or anything like that you know I was really tough but uh, but yeah Nerf football definitely rules my uh, my first my my first Raiders jersey was a Marcus Allen jersey. Uh, my first Raiders jersey, my first Raiders jersey, I'm going to just be honest, it was a Charles Woodson jersey. Um, It was a white one. I had a white Charles Woodson jersey, and I loved it. I want to get some throwbacks. I really want to go, I really, if I could find a real Bo Jackson throwback, I would definitely go get that. Um, Because I have a throwback Auburn, I have a Cam, throwback all, uh, Cam Newton one, but if I can find a throwback Raiders in Auburn, both Jackson jersey, I would definitely get those. But my first one was Charles Woodson. So I just got that uh, that Lester Hayes jersey, which is my new go-to jersey. I think it's awesome. I wore it last week. I'll be wearing it, you know, on game days. My new game day jersey. But I will, I, I will say this. What do you guys think about this? I don't know if I've asked this yet. I, th- I think I may have. What do you guys think about getting that 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 silver on white with a player that did not wear that exact jersey? So right now they do it as color rush. So modern players have wore that jersey. Your cars, your Max, your you know uh, even 
I don't know if Charles Woodson did, but you know, some of the newer players, but then also in the 1970 season, they wore that, you know, your George Atkinson's, your Jim Otto's, those kind of guys. What have you, what do you think that getting that silver on white Jersey with a player that never wore that silver on white Jersey, let's say it's a Bo Jackson throwback. Do you think that's whack or do you think that's cool? I love it. I love it. I would love to see that. I honestly like the colorless jerseys, though. I, I think they're. I think they're. I think they're awesome. They're not exactly like the throwbacks that they did in 1994 and the ones that they had in 1970. They're not exactly like that. They're just a little bit different. But yeah, the silver on the white. I think that's the best jersey in the history of all sports. Um, but do you, if you if you think it's cool to get like a Howie Long or a Bo Jackson or, you know, uh, somebody that didn't play in that time that actually, you know, could wear that jersey. But like one of their, you know, like Matt Millen or, you know, I, I don't know, Ted Hedger, somebody like that. Yeah, I'll, I will get one. Listen, I, I want to get a Colorverse jersey um, because the I like the regular white ones. I like the regular black ones. But the Colorverse it really stands out. Like knowing that the fact that it is white, but I would definitely get it. I still would get it. I love that. I, I love those jerseys. I think those jerseys, honestly, I think we played on them on Thursday night football. If I'm not mistaken, when we played the Chargers on Thursday night, I think we wore those, didn't we? Or did yeah, there we wore was black a, ones? There was a Thursday night football game that we wore before they did the color rush. We, they, uh, it was, um, yeah, I think it was, was, was Jamarcus Russell, the quarterback. That was when we actually lost our punter or no, we lost our long snapper. Kondo got injured. Do you remember that? Uh, Kondo got injured and we literally couldn't punt the ball because the long snapper couldn't get the ball into the punter's hands. So I think we ended up just going for it on fourth down. So we ended up losing that stupid game, but they look fantastic. Oh, um, Salvatore said he doesn't like it for old players. Not right. Um, Carlos says it's okay. Napoleon says Raiders should wear black pants. You know what? What about black on black? With I don't, I, I don't know. Like I think like black on black with like the silver or sil like silver numbers with white, like the the main jersey white, and the like the lining is like uh silver, uh, like black on black. I think that might be a little. I, I think it should be an alternate. We should wear. We should have alternate jersey, like if it could be all black or just all gray, like gray pants, gray jersey, something like that. I don't know. I want to be a little bit more creative with the race. I mean, I understand it's legendary, and I know that we are legendary, but I'm just. I've just been thinking lately about some, you know, ways to make us stand out a little bit. I'm not a fan. I like. I like our third alternate jersey being the the silver on white. I think that's that's okay because that's part of the Raiders' history. I don't really like toying with it any more than that. But that's just me. Yeah, uh, I think a black Raider helmet would be dope. Give us a black Raider helmet. What? I think a black Raider helmet will be dope. I think just for like one night, one night we should just try it out. Try it out. I saw I saw it on Instagram where somebody created a Raiders jersey, not a Raiders jersey, a Raiders helmet, and it was black, and it gave you that old school 1970 Raiders logo. It gave you like that night. It gave you a 1970s feel with the with the the helmet being black, and I was like, 
oh my god, if we could at least have one night of a helmet being black, that would be dope. I mean, I'm I'm gonna still stick with my silver helmet. I gotta still stick with the silver helmet. But I think I think an alternate, at least another alternate jersey, should be at least black on black or or a black helmet or something. Uh, I don't know. I can't get with it. But hey, you know what? If uh, the Raiders do it, I don't know. I'd, I'd be stoked. But you know, if they win games, I don't care. All right, Charles. So there you have it, guys. Episode seven. We on seven episodes, man. In the books. In the books, y'all. Seven episodes has been done. Uh, mind you, episode six and seven will be uploaded tonight. I was so busy last week, I was not able to do it. And it took for, forever to download that I ended up falling asleep on it. So, um, any final words before we head out here? And, you know, we'll do this uh, again probably Sunday or Monday, depending on um, scheduling at the time. Yeah, man. I mean, I think, uh, you know, just uh, staying safe and staying cool. I hope everybody's doing the same. Um, I, uh, not really sure what's going on, um, the next week or so, but, uh, hopefully you got any cool plans or anything like that. Um, I don't have any cool plans, but, um, is, I, I know that COVID is going on right now, but, um, my aunt wants to see me in Orlando. So, um, knowing that my aunt lives by herself. And I don't need to be going anywhere anyway. So I know that the, the flights are a bit cheaper. They're like 40 bucks round trip right now because of COVID. So I might be taking a trip down there probably at the end of the month. But upcoming this week, it's just grind. It's yeah. just grinding. Wear, wear a mask. Wear a mask. Uh, just be careful and have a good time. Oh, yeah. Randall Cunningham. I forgot, Salvatore. Randall Cunningham, one of my favorite players, non-Raider players of all time. Finally a Raider. What do you think about that? I love it. I love it. Is he going to be like a quarterback's coach or anything of that? No, I think do we know like the, the position for him? I think he's like the chaplain, which is like – isn't he just like the, the like religious like guy or something like that? I don't know what the hell he's doing, to be perfectly honest. Um I don't know what, uh, yeah, he's like, he's kind of like, uh, like a, like a spiritual kind of, uh, leader of the, of the team, which is weird, but Hey, like I said, I can finally call Randall Cunningham, you know, Darren and I are both from Philly. So everybody's a Randall Cunningham fan from around here. Finally a Raider. If Randall Cunningham was on the Raiders in the early nineties. We would have won the damn Super Bowl in 1990. Don't get me wrong. We would have beat the crap out of the Bills. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely. I'm with that. We would have kicked their behinds. Knowing that, I didn't know much about the Raiders at that time in 1990. So I come up fair to 98. But I'm saying it right now. Yes, we would have beat them when Randall cut a hand. Absolutely. But yeah. But yeah, he's got ties. He played at L. He, he played at um, uh, uh, UNLV. So I think that's where the tie comes in. And he'll be kind of supporting. And I think his, I think his daughter... Uh, goes to UNLV or something or graduated from there, something like that. So yeah, Randall Cunningham, welcome to the Raiders. Welcome to the Silver and Black. Welcome to the Raider Nation, brother. Welcome to the Raider Nation. Um, but there you have it, guys. We're uh, episode seven is in the books. Just keep coming in, keep supporting us. And I do have a very important announcement. The Spotlight Raiders Talk now has memberships. 
We have the membership tab, which I'm waiting for the approval of it. So if you want to be a part of the members only tab on YouTube, um, we'll give you like behind the scenes. We'll give you exclusive videos. Um, I, Eli, if you're interested, if you want to do like pre-recorded videos for the members only, um, we could do that as well. So memberships are coming. I'm waiting for the approval from YouTube to um, accept the memberships and memberships will be open um, to, I don't know the pricing just yet, but we do have the memberships that we will be working on that. Give y'all members only content as well. So if y'all do want to be a part of that, um, once that join button comes down next to the subscribe button, then you'll know is, is going down. So I want to thank everybody for um, tuning in. Um, anything else you need to say, Elon? Nope. Everybody stay safe. Uh, have a great one and we'll see you next week. And we'll see you next week as well. It's the spotlight Raiders talk and we're out of here. Y'all peace.